So thank you for inviting me here uh, today to, to chat with you guys. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Hunter approached me uh, not long ago and said, uh, hey, Keith, you know, we're, we're on this, you know, talking about fatherhood and the family and things like that. And, you know, <clears throat> some people that know a little bit more about me know that I do. I actually have two sons that are in the ministry. Of course, Adam's here today. His older brother, my oldest son, is also in the ministry as well. And, uh, you know, so when he asked me, he said, hey, can you come up and talk about, you know, a dad and a, and a family growing up? They kind of knew who Adam was. A lot of y'all know who Adam is. And I was like, man, whew, that's, that's going to be a little tough. You know, and then I go, I say, well, should I approach this from a spiritual perspective, <laughs> right? Should I approach it from a material perspective? Should I approach this conversation from a, uh, you know, a professional perspective, which that's that rocket science thing that uh, they kind of talk about because I, I am uh, an engineer by trade, but you know, I have a technology background, which that's a whole nother, I'll, I'll put my name in the hat for a whole nother conversation on that because uh, I think we all know the current times and technology we live in, there's a, a lot of things there that are interesting that have made a lot of things clear as well. But then the next challenge here for me to get up here was, okay, well, I'm going to approach this from a spiritual perspective, right? Uh, well, you got to know a little bit about me and my background. When I'm 60 years old, okay, and I'm like, wow, I got 20 minutes because I got to split this in half. Everybody else gets to give their testimony for, you know, for the 40 minutes. You know, I got to get through this, right? So as I go through and I, and I talk about my, our family life, uh, I want to make sure everybody knows there is no model. There is no model to this. Uh, as I debated how I was going to present this and things, and Curtis and Ron said, hey, Keith, give us your credentials, pretty much. He was like, what's your background? We need to know more about you. And I said, you know, what I'm going to talk about here, there isn't credentials it's being, you know, led by Jesus Christ and following the Holy Spirit is what I hope you hear today. And uh, because I could go, yeah, I've been going to, to get well here for 20 years, right? And I have been. 1999 is when I came here. Uh, Adam's pretty much grown up in, in the church here as well, as well as my oldest son and my daughter, uh, who's now a junior at Ole Miss. Need to bring up and I'll talk to them here in a minute. So kind of, I, I want you to know where I'm coming from as I go through this because I, I need to get through this in a timely manner, but yet if I come across as reading some things, there's some key points that I want you to take away from how the Holy Spirit led me from the time I was a young man as well. I, I also talk about that. So I did hand some of these out. If you got, there's an ink pen on your table. Uh, there's going to be a few points here that I want to make sure that I get across, uh, or at least communicate, let's say. So just to let you know, I do have a southern draw, but I was actually born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, on a, a, uh, in Atlantic City, I grew up on an island, which is like a barrier island. You know, I, I guess everybody's seen the Jersey Shore TV or heard about it or whatever, but I grew up on a barrier island off of Atlantic City. I uh, was a beach guy. You know, I was the long-haired little hippie kid, you know, whatever. There, when I... Uh, I knew Brad would be laughing about the hair thing, but uh, but anyhow, that was that was kind of me. And uh, you know, I was fortunate at the time. My my parents were were both Christians. Uh, where they were in their Christian maturity was probably different than where it is today. 
so I, I was fortunately enough at least to be exposed to the Word of God, things like that, when I was a young man. And, you know, as I think back about that, you know, when I was a young fella, um, and in the Northeast, we were just talking about here, I, I actually rehearsed my speech here at the table, then they were asking me questions that I'm actually going to speak about, but I was talking with Tim and things, and, and uh, we were talking about Catholicism and things, and of course, in the Northeast, uh, Catholicism is very more predominant than you might say here in the Bible Belt when I moved down south, and uh, uh, the other thing, I had lots of Jewish friends, things which for me, as a young person, you know, I was p watching these things. I was exposed to a lot of different things. I mean, here's a, a guy that's got, you know, different holidays, things like that to me, and yet I can't go visit his church or go into his church, right? So as a young fella, I was, uh, I was, I was trying to figure this out, you know, and... Uh, so I just want to kind of point that out to set a basis where I start from. So the next thing that, as you look at my, my early uh, childhood as well, is there was a seed that was set, right? And what I, I brought my seed with me here today. And you can come up here later if you'd like to see it. But this was a Bible that my parents gave me probably when I was six or seven years old. You can actually see in here where I couldn't even hardly write where I scribbled in this Bible. It's got, it's, it's got some pictures in it, things like that, you know, so, you know, from, from a kid's perspective, I, I related to those pictures and the stories that I was hearing in church and things like that. But, you know, as I go through this, and, and what I'm saying is about the seed, right, is setting a seed. Uh, and if a, a seed is very important, in my opinion, but you know, you go, well, what is a seed? Is it this Bible right here? Well, in my case, I think, uh, and I'm going to come back to the Bible here again. This is the gospel, the word of God. But there's probably no better seed that you can give to somebody than the word of God because everybody is at a different Christian maturity in their life. And when you have questions and des desires and need, the word of God will always lead you in the right direction along with prayer. But... Um, so if you take your little piece that I've flown out, uh, sent out there, you know, that first bullet there, live to plant a seed with someone in need of Christ. And a seed can be a Bible. It could just be a conversation. It could be inviting somebody to church. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will direct people, come into their lives, make them think, uh, you know, about something they've always wanted to talk about, but yet encourages them to the next step. Adam obviously has lots of stories. Last night he came in from New Orleans last night. He was telling me this story about in the hotel he was at last night. There's a bunch of guys out there, you know, having a good time outside. Adam walked up to him and said, hey, what do you guys know about Jesus? And sure enough, there was an opportunity that came out of that where a fella stayed there and wanted to talk about this. So it's just, it's things simple like, was there a plan? No, there is no plan. And I, I reiterate that again as I go through this. There is no plan. It is the direction of the Holy Spirit in my life here as well. So in that first bullet there, write the word seed in there as you would. And uh, so I, I ended up, before we left the Northeast, uh, we, we were in a Baptist church. It was called Brigantine Baptist Church is where we went. 
And I was saved at seven years of age by, uh, in Sunday school by, uh, she was uh, an older woman. I would uh, guess she was probably 60, 65. And um, at this time, I was beginning to understand. And just like we're going to have baptism here, that we talk about a lot of the young folks that, that have come through, what a blessing, right? But I was baptized there as well. Uh, shortly after that, I was saved, baptized in that church, but still a young guy. Young man, young in my Christianity. And I'm going to get to my family here in just a second, so hopefully I'll go a little quicker. But, uh, but yeah, and I'll tell you a quick story about me. I told you I was the, the long-haired surfer boy, kid, stuff like that. Well, in that church, they had a, 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 a pool right up there on the stage, and the, and the pews were obviously very close because it was a Baptist church, right? And, uh, and of course, everybody was on the front row too, right? But... Uh, I had long hair. Well, it was my habit swimming in the ocean. When I would come out, there was a sling my hair like this. Well, sure enough, I came out from being dunked, and I slung my hair and soaked the first two front pews of water flying out there. But, you know, that's kind of what that story is. But the seed is, is the key thing point here that I want to get across and the seed that was set with me. Um, the next thing that I... And, and I'm going to relate these things that happened to me as a child to my family here in just a minute, so bear with me. The next significant thing that happened to me as a young man that I would not have even realized this until I got older was uh, a lesson my dad taught me. And what I mean by that is uh, lying. Okay? And I think... You know, at the top of this piece of paper, it also says, you know, living with the Holy Spirit based on Christian morals and principles. Don't make it too complicated. And I want to focus on that don't make it too complicated thing because it's just as simple as lying, right? And I'll tell you the story that happened to me. So sure enough, uh, my dad and my grandfather had built this little shed in the backyard. And this is back in the day when... The, tape measures, they had a folding measure, tape measure. I see a lot of people saying they know what you're talking about. And my dad and my grandfather had made this thing, and that was a very valuable thing because it was probably my great-great-great-grandfather. They said, don't put your hands on that, Keith, you know, because you're going to break it, da-da-da-da. Well, sure enough, I'm in the backyard one day. I'm playing with it. I break it. It's me and my brother. And, of course, my brother, in true fashion, being a brother, goes and he tells my mom, and he says, Keith broke that, and Keith broke that. I came out and said, I didn't break that. Bobby broke that. And I was lying. Little did I know that my mother was looking out the window and knew I had broke that, <laughs> right? Well, my mother told me right then, she said, she said, you know your dad told you to do this. You're going to have to talk to your dad when he gets home. And it sounded to me like this. You're going to have to listen to your dad, right? And... Uh, and, of course, my dad, you know, was a, a strong leader of the house. Let's just say that. And uh, I can remember sitting there very, uh, you know, with a lot, you know, worried about my dad coming home. Well, sure enough, he comes home. He sets me on the back porch, and I'm like, man, here it comes. I'm fixing to get in trouble here. And he sat me down, and he, he said, Keith, he said, I understand this tape measure got broke. Did you break it? And I'd thought about it, and I'd already been thinking about that a lot. And I said, yeah, Dad, I broke it. It wasn't Bobby. And he said to me, he said, son, 
He said, I'm not going to punish you because you told the truth. And he says, there's one thing I want you to know is that the truth will never hurt you. Now, that's a phrase. It's not in the Bible, okay? But that was a phrase that stuck with me. And I'd already been going to church, and I knew about the importance of telling the truth, right? Lying and the truth. So, you know, if you think about lying, what was the first lie in the Bible and the significance of a lie? I went back and thought about this, as you can tell, right? It was in the Garden of Eden, right when the serpent told Eve, he said, surely you will not die, right? So, when what happened from that lie? What actually happened from that lie in the Bible? All of mankind now faces death. That's pretty significant, right? All through the Bible, the Bible teaches us to be honest and live by faith and truth. And I want to reference a Bible verse here for you. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought walk to in the same way in which he walked. And my dad's little comment, the truth will never hurt you. As a kid, that's what I took away from that. Because as I talk about my upbringing, I'm gonna, I want you to understand these were the same values that I raised my family by. Right now, they, if they said, if there was anything as me as a daddy in the house, if they were lying, I was upset about that. I was going to be upset. So I, I just want to point out the importance and something as simple as just trying not to lie uh, to someone or to yourself. So my life continued. Uh, the, I might say the seed was being watered in my life. You know, I was still growing uh, in the things that I did. As a young guy, sang solos in church, although I can't do that today. Um, you know, passed out tracks with the groups that went out, watching, listening, still growing in my faith, still sinning, though, still a sinner, right? Um, but I continued to be faithful. I would still go to church, things like that, fellowship with different people. You know, I would say, uh, maybe I was doing some works there, as, as we hear and as we listen to pastors and leaders of the church and things like that. You know, J James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Look at yourself, right? And works can be a lot of things. It could be serving in the sound in the back. It could be coming to men's fellowship. You know, maybe that person that nobody sees, right? Uh, and that could be lots of things. So finally the time came where... Um, we moved from Brigantine, New Jersey, to Greenville, Mississippi. And, uh, you know, I came to the Bible Belt, you might say, is, is, is relating this to the, the spiritual side, side of things. And, boy, what a culture shock. You know, the long-haired hippie guy comes down here. I found out what mud was for sure because, man, I was good. And that stuff was sticking to my feet. I'm in the Mississippi Delta. You don't quite have the stickiness over here in DeSoto County, but just go down to the Delta and get you on a nice rainy day and get you a good set of buckshot on your boots. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, I, I 
you know, I talked to you about, uh, you know, the different religions and faiths that I was still paid attention to, denominations, things, and, uh, you know, again, there is no plan here. This, I was just being led by the Holy Spirit, my parents, and influence, things like that. Uh, when I got down south, you know, continued to grow, I married my wife, Cynthia, who also has been a very active here in the church through the years as well. Some of you may know Cynthia. I know it's amazing. Cynthia still introduces to people. That says she's been working together with them in Sunday school and different things for years. And it's funny how that happens, Larry, right? And uh, our wives know each other. We don't even know they know each other. They've been doing this for 10 years or whatever it may be. You're like, okay, you know, we're growing. We're a big church, right? You know? And, um, but then as we got married, obviously I started my family. Rob uh, is my oldest son, uh, son, Adam, obviously, and Anna. Uh, we tried to live life based on Christian morals and principles, based on the word of God. We, you know, we had many discussions on faith and living for the Lord with my family. But here's another key part. part. We try, I tried not to force my family, but allow them to be convicted by the Holy, Holy Spirit. Uh, it needed to be their decision. There was one thing that I learned as I went to different churches and things, and it was interesting how I felt like sometimes things were being pushed or there was pressure being put on me to do something as a young Christian. But yet I also saw my friends, and sometimes that was like the number one thing that pushed them away. So, you know, I would say that was another thing as I look back, uh, there was no plan. This was just, you know, how I was. I, 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 it wasn't up to me. It's the Holy Spirit. We do not, I do not, I'm not saving anybody. We don't do that. We can set a seed, right, and water the seed. So we moved to South Haven in 1999, which I mentioned earlier. You know, that's over 20 years. Get Well Road was here. Uh, I can remember Michelle. We played on Eagle's Wings. We sat up front. I was run. I, I quickly. Me and John were talking earlier about how back we far back we go at the sound. But the soundboard was set up right back here in the back. It wasn't as sophisticated as today. I can remember uh, doing the sound one day. A little kid ran by the back and tripped over the power cord, boom, you know, the whole church shuts down, it seems like, you know, and I, I'm like that guy on the little rascals when I had hair was falling out, and I'm trying to get everything back going, right, but uh, so anyhow, uh, that's, but over 20 years, uh, things like that, my, my, my kids, they all went through Super Sixers, which is here, uh, and then, you know, as they graduated, and one thing that you know, you'll recognize, and I really appreciate the value, and it goes back to the seed, right? The Word of God is when our graduates, our kids come through school and graduate, we give them a Bible. And, you know, never underestimate how young a, a child can be when they, when they go look at the Bible is all I would say to you uh, right now. And there, there's plenty of things out there that uh, whether it's more pictures-oriented, things like that, that we can put in front of kids. Um, so, yes, again, the seed was there. The seed was planted. Faithfulness and going to church and supporting the church, churching with people, whether it's in this building or on the street. We, we knew if we went to sometimes out to eat dinner, we were going to pray, things like that. You know, at Christmas time, yeah, we sang jingle bells and stuff, but we might sing a few, you know, gospel hymns there back in the day just because we kind of knew them, right? And it felt good and uh, things like that. 
So here we are today, and I'm not far from handing off here to Adam. And um, so here today, uh, I've, I've talked to you about Rob. He's my oldest son. Um, he leads, he pastors a church down in Ingemar, Mississippi, which is right between Tupelo and Mississippi. But Rob was saved at eight years of age. Uh, there was a, some of you may remember this. There were videos that were out. This was back when it was VHS stuff. They had this thing called Bible Man. And, uh, you know, he used to love to watch those videos. But guess what? That influenced him and, and got his mind share and things like that. Uh, Rob went into the Marine Corps right out of college. Uh, he was actually baptized uh, off of North Carolina because he was influenced. His Christian maturity was growing, and he was influenced by a chaplain in the Marine Corps. Um, and from that point forward, he got out of the Marine Corps. He started a produce business, ran a 70-acre produce farm. At the same time, being called to the Lord, uh, pastored a church at the same time in Water Valley, Mississippi, which from there goes to the church that he's at today. Uh, Adam here, he'll tell you more uh, about uh, where he is here today, but obviously grew up in the church, uh, baptized by Bill Beavers. I'll never forget when Bill had a little bottle of water when he went to Israel from the River Jordan and, and put in there and things, and, and I understood the significance of that. He's got his master's in discipling and is now working on his MDiv and uh, has participated, uh, was fortunate enough for uh, this church to give him the opportunity to work with the downline program. Um, and then Anna, my daughter, she's a junior. Uh, she was led to Christ. Ron's not here. I was hoping he would be here, but he may not even know that Spring Nunley led my daughter to Christ and was baptized here in the church as, as well. So I was, I was hoping he would be here to hear that. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at this, there's, there is no plan. It's, there's, it's spiritual maturity, right? We will all be growing in our spiritual maturity for the rest of our life. We'll be evolving. We'll be changing because we're studying. I mean, it is for me. I'm not saying that I know. I'm just sharing with you what's happened in my life. There, there, I, there was no pre-thought. Sometimes there was no model here. You know, but I do know this, that I, I was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit talks to me every day. All day long, every day, I'm talking with the Lord. So, you know, to kind of summarize a few things here, you know, some questions you can ask. And by the way, I, do, I, I did get ahead of myself uh, on my little pamphlet here. So I, I mentioned the seed. Number two, understand the importance of not lying to yourself or to others. You may have written that in there. Three, having faith empowers you to say, serve and disciple, right? It's just that faith that God's on your side. He's behind you. And Adam can tell you more. He, he's going to tell you some stuff that's just incredible. Uh, we are all growing in our Christian maturity was that last piece there. Increase your knowledge and understanding of the word of God and use the Bible as your sword to defend yourself from trials and tribulation. A lot of times, especially in the Baptist, we refer to this as a sword. This is, and through life, this is what we use to find the answers or defend ourselves from the evil one. And then finally, uh, do you sow seeds? Is, is the Spirit in you? Do you walk and talk with God and the Holy Spirit every minute of the day? 
Do you follow the truth? I would tell you, well, let, me, let me answer that real quick because I can tell you right now, it shocks me to this day. I can pray in the morning before I'm going out to work, and 10 minutes at work, my mind is so far away from the, from the Lord, it, it's crazy. And I'll go back and think about that and say, man, I, I prayed about that. Why, how, why was I distracted so much? Things like that. Do you follow the truth? Something just as simple as reinforcing the truth with yourself internally and what you're doing externally. Lean on your faith in times of trouble. What, you know, if you didn't have the Lord, right? We talk about blessings here. Every time I come to the, to the man's center, Marvin collects lots of prayer requests, things like that. But, you know, it's faith. It's faith, right? Are you maturing in your faith? And then where am I today? Right before I hand off to Adam, remember this. There is no model to this. I'm just telling you the walk of my Christian life and, and how my family was raised and the basis of that. Uh, I do not want to talk. You know, I, it was interesting about the credentialing thing, right? I wanted to talk about my faith, right, and, and where I am today. Uh, what the Lord has called upon me here at this stage of my life uh, <clears throat> I had, a, I had a dream. You know, I would tell you, I'm also a person, I never had this out-of-body experience. You can see I just was a young kid, grew up in, in, in a faithful community and house. But I had this dream, uh, which was not long ago. And it was while my oldest son was, was pastoring. And it was, it was a, uh, an angel. And I could see my son sitting here at the, at the pulpit and he was preaching to a congregation. And that angel said to me, he looked right at me and he said, Keith, you make sure your son knows there's no more important message than the second coming of the Lord. And that's what I'm, I'm called right now by God to make people just aware of that. You know, Revelation, the end times. I think there was some mention earlier by Curtis about, you know, the current state of the world we're in today. Uh, and so... Yeah, if somebody comes to me, like, right now I have this little band I wear on my arm, and people ask me what, what that is, and I, I use that opportunity to talk to them about Jesus sometimes, but also, you know, about the world and where we are today. So I got one last verse here to read, and I will say this. In Luke 21, 25, And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and on the earth the stress of nations and perplexity, because of the roaring of the seas and the waves, people fainting in fear and fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heaven will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Live your life with eternity in mind. And I'm going to hand this off to Adam. Good morning. I'll keep this pretty short because I know people got to go. Um, but, yeah, my name's Adam. I grew up here at Get Well. Um, there's a lot that could be said, but I want to, I want to first off say this. Our lives are a product of God's grace. You know, it was interesting, you know, Hunter, like, preparing this because, you know, I'm supposed to give my perspective as a son, you know, what I saw in the home, right? 
And I know, you know, my dad saw things in his home. I talked about him last night. I was like, Dad, you know, when you grew up in the home, what did you see from your dad? Imperfection. Who fell back on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of your dads probably, you saw a lot of imperfection. Who Dads who were trying their hardest. And that's, that's, that's what dads are. Um, but I want to say that to say that my life, my dad's life, my family's life, is a product of God's grace, of his transformation work by the power of the cross. Um, so I'm going to say this real quick. So I'm going to break this down into three, three parts. I'm going to give just a brief snapshot of my testimony, a brief snapshot of my perspective as a kid, and, some and, and lastly, some challenges to all of us as men, because we're all men here. So I got I to gotta leave us with some challenge. I can't just, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher, I guess, so. I got to leave us with a challenge. Um, so growing up, you know, we didn't read a devotional every night. Like, you know, we weren't the family that, you know, had a A to B to C plan. And I'm not saying that that's not right. I'm not saying that that's right. Um, but we didn't really talk much about Jesus. Like my dad said, there was a C planted in my life. We went to church. I went to Super Sixers. Um, you know, those were the type of seeds that were planted in my life. We never really openly talked about our faith. I'm just being honest. Uh, we never really discussed the things of God one-on-one. -on -one. We prayed, right? We went to church. I saw my mom and dad serving, um, but it was never really like, I don't know, real, if that makes sense. Um, my grandparents were a big influence in my life. They would always talk about the Lord when I was a kid. Um, and honestly, we, we, you know, I grew up playing baseball a lot. And um, you would say that we were, I guess, cultural Christians, you know. Um, we were the type of, you know, family who we went to church, but also we, you know, we went to baseball games as well. And uh, that was a, a big part of my life growing up was playing baseball um, and doing that whole route. So growing up, you know, I was just, I really was kind of confused, like, I was confused about God. I, I didn't really, I knew God. If somebody would have asked me, Adam, do you know Jesus? Yes. I would have said yes, but I never really had anybody intentionally, you know, kind of pour into me spiritually. So off I went to Ole Miss. And, um, you know, my life, I got involved in a fraternity. I started partying, drinking, uh, doing everything under the sun. And living my life because I had no idea what my purpose was. I had no idea what I want to do with my life um, type of thing. So I reached the lowest point of my life in college, my sophomore year. And um, I was broken. I don't know if anyone else has been there before. Uh, if you've ever been broken in your life, if you've ever been shattered uh, completely at your lowest point in life, I experienced the middle of my sophomore year. Um, I got really sick one night, and I had a, a, a near-death experience. Uh, I thought I was about to die with fooling around with some things I shouldn't have been fooling around with. Let's just say that. And um, I didn't know where I was. It was just a, a weird experience um, when I felt like my life was about to end. Um, dealing with, you know, smoking a certain thing and drinking, I'm just being honest, that night, God used to get my attention. I didn't know what to do, but two weeks later, after that night, 
one of the only Christians in my pledge class in my fraternity. I was sitting in a room like this in the fraternity house one morning, questioning my life. I didn't have a purpose. I didn't want to be here. I didn't, I didn't know what God wanted me to do with my life. I didn't like my degree. I don't know if any of you have ever been there, but it's, it's dark. You're like, what am I going to do with my life, right? And I'm sitting there. I'm not, talk, I'm not even thinking about God. I'm not even thinking about the things of God. I didn't know God could heal me. I didn't know he could transform me. I didn't know that he loved me. I didn't know all these things. I've been in church, yes, but it wasn't real. So I'm sitting there in this lunchroom eating by myself, and this guy walks in. Uh, his name is Ethan, and we sit at this table, and I'm just sitting there eating, and he just befriends me. And he's talking to me about hunting and fishing and, you know, sports and all this. And he says, what are you doing uh, you know, Thursday night. He was intentional with me. I want to point that out. He was intentional with me to see where I was in my faith. He said, well, you should come out to this campus ministry. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to that. That's for them Christians. You know, that's for those, you know, I wasn't ready for that. So anyway, um, the grace of God brought me there uh, to the Wesley Foundation um, at Ole Miss. And um, the last two years of my life, I started or that, that, that encounter, I started hearing the gospel. You know, it was like these seeds in my life began to pop. Like I was telling Jeff, it was like popcorn. Uh, these seeds in my life started popping. And um, I heard the gospel, and, and, and I, I wanted to give my life to Jesus. Um, so that summer, I was in a field one morning at my brother's farm, and I was pursuing God. I was reading my Bible for the first time, and life was getting dark still. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I would do with my life, you know. I didn't have a purpose. You know, my purpose was baseball. And now that was over, I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? I have to, to live. And, and So anyway, I cried out to the Lord Jesus in a field um, in Water Valley, Mississippi, and saying, Lord, I don't know if you're there. I just need you. I need you to save me. I need you to transform me. I want to live for you. I need you, Jesus. And I remember crying out to God in this field. Um, and I want to share this with you guys. I don't share this a lot with really anyone. Um, but I feel led to share this with you all. Um, you may not believe it or not, but in that moment of desperation of me crying out in this field, I remember that morning, it was a clear blue sky, and um, there wasn't a single cloud in the sky. And I remember crying out to God, I need help. And as in the middle of this prayer, I don't remember what I was saying, I looked up, and these three clouds appeared in the sky. And there was three round clouds, one round cloud right here, one round cloud next to it, and one on top. And on top of this top cloud, there was a man standing on the top of this cloud with his arm out like this and his staff out in the other hand. And I saw that for just like a split second. And I looked back down, looked back up, it was gone. And like I said, I never read the Bible. I've, I've never really, you know, I didn't know what to think. I was like, I told my dad, I was like, hey, I think I just saw God or something in the clouds. He's like, you're crazy. You know, get back over there and do what you're doing. But well, this is right when God started working in my family. 
before this time, we've never really talked about Jesus. Never. I mean, we talked about Jesus, but it wasn't the everyday, it wasn't like it was, should have been, if that makes sense. And you, y'all can believe me or not, but that happened to me. And it wasn't like this, you know, God gave me a, a, an audible voice or type thing, or I had, my life was just transformed like that. No. Um, so anyway, let me just, I know some of you guys got to go. Um, but those last two years of my life in college, God set me on fire. I started sharing my faith. I started leading the worship. I, somehow I started playing guitar and singing and preaching. I can't explain it, but the Holy Spirit uh, changed me, and he equipped me, and he filled me. And a reason, I don't know why, he just, he, he sent this guy in my life to, to, to be, to, to harvest that seed that was sown in my life early, I really believe. Um, so, like I said, God introduced me, he put godly men in my life to disciple me, and and a miracles of how I met these godly men. I could tell you that's a whole nother day. But God put godly men in my life to disciple me, to tell me how to love others, to walk with me through the gospel, and, and, just, and just show me how to live life. And during my junior year, I did an internship at FedEx, and I came up here every day in the summer with a Bible study that Mr. Jeff did, and uh, Mar- not Marvin, Marty, Marty, I remember that junior year, this is right after all this stuff happened in my life, God used Get Well to, to, be, to water that seed of my life. And because I was so hungry, I graduated, I went through Downline, the, the church wanted to support me and, and going through this. Has anybody ever heard of Downline in Memphis? Um, God used Downline and gave me a heart for missions to reach the lost people. Um, so anyway... Did all that. I felt called to ministry. I, I'm still in seminary. I've been living in New Orleans for the past two years, um, sharing the gospel, going door to door, preaching, um, walking in the streets of New Orleans, and uh, telling people about this good news. Anyway, so this morning is not about me, okay? It's not about my dad. It's about Jesus. It's all him. Don't look at me and say, oh, his life is perfect. Don't look at my dad and say, oh, his life. No, we are imperfect human beings who have been changed by God's grace, who still fail, who just know now who we can look to when we fail. Okay, so my perspective as a kid, I'm going to give just really briefly, and I'll be done. If you're a dad, I I really want to, I feel led to say this, but give your kids some type of freedom, Okay. I'm not saying, like, you have to, you know, just let them be rampant and out of control. Yes, there has to, has to be discipline. But give them some type of freedom. Let them fail. You know, don't, don't be like a helicopter type of parent. Give them freedom so they, they can experience things for themselves. Are they going to mess up? Yes. They're kids. Okay? And like, I, I see growing up that there's a lot of kid dads families who, who just are so, they pressure their kids to be this certain way that they want them to be, and they shove it down their throat. Don't do that, if I'm being honest with you. Don't do that, because you don't, whether you know it or not, you have a good heart and interest, but you're honestly kind of pushing them away. 
Listen to your kid. Be transparent. Speak of your failures. Don't act like you have it all together. Be, be transparent. Share what God's done in your life. Be open. Don't shove it on them. And I know some of you have heard this, but you may have heard this in your life, but if it's not important to, to mom and dad, a kid's thinking, why is it important to me? If your faith is not important in your life and your kids don't see that, how are your kids going to know? They just simply put like that. They won't. We'll send them off to church on Sunday and expect the pastor to do everything. No, discipleship starts in the home by you. You are a man of God. You are supposed to be the leader in your household spiritually. You're supposed to take the initiative and spend time with your kid. So I would say that a child needs to see it from their dad, guys. You look, you turn on the TV, 80% of crimes are committed by men probably. We are failing at this. And I'm not saying you guys are. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we need to be intentional with our children. We need to be intentional, intentional as a man of God to open up God's word and walk through it together with them. Okay, so tying this in all together, I asked the Lord, you know, like, God, how do you want me to end this? Um, but I want to ask you a question. I got to leave with this, Hunter. How will you invest your life as a man? I'm going to say that again. How will you invest your life as a man? Guys, there's so many things that we can invest our life doing. There's so many things that your kids can see you investing your life doing, working, making money, playing basketball, being the biggest Memphis Grizzlies fan in your life, playing baseball, taking your kid to a tournament every weekend. Your kids watch you. If you don't have kids, there's other people watching you. How will you invest your life as a man? How will you invest your life? And there's nothing more important for anyone to see in your life than other than you investing your life in Jesus. You investing your life for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, you loving Jesus. That's what your kids need to see. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to have know all the scriptures. They got to see the love that you have for Jesus and for others. Um, so what will you pass on? What will you pass on to, to, your, to your legacy? Second, Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, what you've heard from me in the faithful, what would you've heard from me in the presence of many faithful witnesses, I may butcher this, um, entrust to faithful men who will teach others also. Paul is telling Timothy, what you've heard from me, pass on to other faithful men who what? will teach others also. Paul told Timothy that for him to take on what Paul taught Timothy to take on to the rest of the people. So how will you pass on your spiritual DNA? That's my question. How will you leave your legacy from what God's given you? God's gifted you all in certain ways. You all have unique experiences that are different than me. How will you uh, invest your life. What will your child and your family remember you by? When you die and you're gone, 
What will they remember you by? And here's the last thing. Some of you here may not have kids. And I know this is about a, a dad and a son. But guys, like, you don't have to have kids to invest. You don't have to have kids to be an influence in some other young person's life. You know? There's so many young people out there that you can invest in, even at this church. Invest in them. You may be a grandparent. Invest in your grandchildren. My grandparents were a huge seed in my life. In closing, this is the last thing. I see a lot of parents um, wanting to force their kids to come to Christ at like a year old, two years old. You know what I'm saying? Where they, it's their mission for them to be saved by X, Y, and Z. No. Because like my dad said, I feel like the more you shove it, the more they push away. You're just called to plant and water the seed, okay? Don't force that. Don't force that. It's not on your time. It's on God's time. It's on God's time. And you may have children that are far from God. Pray for them. Pray for them. Um, and, and don't give up because you've just been faithful to plant and water the seed.